This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Welcome to another episode of the Out of the Blue podcast. My name is John Fleetham. I'm Professor of Medicine at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. Today I'm joined by Dr. Raphael Heinzer, who's the senior author of the paper Pulse Wave Altitude Drop Index, a biomarker of cardiovascular risk and obstructive sleep apnea. This was recently published in the Blue Journal. Uh, Dr. Heinzer is an Associate Professor of Medicine at Lausanne University in Switzerland. Uh, Raphael, well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Now, what were the objectives of your study? So the global aim of our research is to determine which patients with OSA are at increased risk of cardiovascular complication related to the sleep breathing disorder. So in a previous cross-sectional analysis of Hypnolos study, we saw that some specific features of photoplethysmography signal that is provided by the pulse oximeter were associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease in OSA patients. So the aim of the present study was to investigate prospectively the, the value of this signal as a biomarker of cardiovascular risk in OSA. So why do we need another index to determine the severity of obstructive sleep apnea? So as you know, OSA is highly prevalent in the general population. For example, in the hypnosis cohort, we saw that an HI above 15 could be found in about 50% of men and above 40 years of age, and 23% of women above 40 years old, which makes a lot of people. And Benjafield and colleagues recently estimated that about a billion people over the world suffer from OSA. So when OSA is associated with nocturnal or daytime symptoms, such as sleepiness, it is clearly indicated to treat them. And if they get better, if they improve their quality of life when they are treated with CPAP, we are probably doing the right thing. However, a large proportion of OSA patients, probably around two-thirds of them, do not complain of daytime sleepiness. And the rationale to treat these patients is our hope to decrease their cardiovascular risk associated with their OSA. So although the pathophysiology link between OSA and cardiovascular disease is well, well established, some interventional studies, some randomized controlled trials, such as SAVE, Rikatsa, or ISAAC cohorts failed to show a benefit of CPAP treatment on the incidence of recurrent cardiovascular events as a secondary prevention. And these uh, neutral or negative results may be due to the low usage of CPAP. Obviously, I think it was a bit less than three hours in these cohorts, but maybe also to the selection of these patients, which was based only on the AHI. And we, we know that although the AHI is used worldwide, this marker is, is very unprecise. And a patient with mild hypopnea lasting 10 or 11 seconds without major desaturation may have a very high AHI, whereas a patient with obstructive apnea with severe desaturation lasting 40 to 50 seconds may have a lower AHI. So, it's possible that in these cohorts, some patients were included with only very mild disease, whereas some more severe patients may have had an HI below 15 
and may have been included in the control group. And this may also induce a bias in, in this cohort. So it's, I think it's very important to find other markers taking into account the, the magnitude of oxygen drops of autonomic response to the respiratory events to, to better understand it and to better reflect the severity of sleep apnea. Thank you. So, so what are pulse amplitude drops and how easy are they to derive from oximetry? So all sleep recorders have an embedded pulse oximeter, which can provide this photoplethysmography signal. This signal reflects the pulsatile absorption of the red light emitted on one side of the finger or of, or of the earlobe. And we see that sudden drops of the amplitude of this signal uh, reflect vasoconstriction occurring, for example, after an arousal, an EEG arousal, or at the end of a respiratory event when the sympathetic autonomic nervous system is activated. So shortly after that, we see the amplitude of the signal going down and then rapidly back to the baseline value. And here's what we call the pulse wave amplitude drops or PWADs. So we built a MATLAB algorithm to automatically analyze this feature and count the number of 30% drops in this signal, which reflects the number of sympathetic activation per hour of sleep. This is what we call the PWAT index or the number per hour. So our hypothesis is that patients with impaired autonomic reactivity or impaired endothelial function will have a lower PWAT index, and this may be associated with cardiovascular risk. Now you used data from three independent prospective cohorts of patients with obstructive sleep apnea. Can you briefly describe these cohorts? Yes, so there are three different types of participants in this cohort. So hypnose is a general population cohort, which included more than 2,000 participants from the general population, randomly selected from the general population, and they were over the age of 40. And it was, they were selected from the Lausanne population in Switzerland. So they underwent a complete clinical assessment and an overnight unattended full polysonography between 2009 and 2013, followed by the clinical follow-up. So the, there was a panel of experts who adjudicated each cardiovascular or cerebrovascular events. Then we have the Pays de la Loire uh, sleep cohort, which is a clinic-based multicentric longitudinal study. So different clinical sleep centers uh, gathered their patients together, and they, these, the name of these patients were linked with the data from the French administrative healthcare database. And this database provided the outcome of these patients, which patients developed a cardiovascular disease. And so only cardiovascular disease-free patients were investigated, were included in this analysis, which included more than 6,000 patients. And then finally, we have the ISAAC randomized controlled trial, which is a Spanish study that included adults admitted for an acute coronary syndrome. So they had a respiratory polygraphy and patients with OSA were randomly assigned to CPAP treatment plus usual care. Uh, this is the CPAP group or uh, the usual care alone. And then they, there was a group of experts who adjudicated the recurrent cardiovascular events. What was your methodology and statistical analysis? So the participants of each cohort were divided into subgroups 
according to the presence or, or absence of OSA and according to the median value of the PWAD index, high or low. So we had four groups. We then used Cox models adjusted for all other cardiovascular risk factors, such as smoking, uh, high blood pressure, to compare the risk of incident cardiovascular events between these groups. We then performed linear regression to evaluate if there was an independent association between PWAD index as a continuous variable and incident cardiovascular event. And finally, we compared a group of treated OSA patients with untreated OSA patients from the post uh, from from the Pedalois sleep cohort. Good. So, what were the primary findings of the study? So, in hypnolos, OSA patients with lower PWAD index, which means those with impaired vascular or autonomic reactivity, had more than two times the risk of having cardiovascular events than the group of OSA patients with high PWAD index and those without OSA. So the same was found in Pays-la-Loire sleep cohort with a significant increase in incident cardiovascular events in the group of OSA patients with low PWAD index. And in Isaac, the same group, so those with a OSA and a low PWAD index had an increased risk of recurrent cardiovascular events compared with the no OSA group. When PWAD index was divided into quartile, so here again, those with a low, those within the lowest quartile were at increased risk of cardiovascular event. And finally, when PWAD was taken as a continuous variable, there was an association, an independent association between the, the PWAD index and the risk of cardiovascular events. And the fact that PWAD is a much better predictor in patient with OSA compared with patients without OSA, and also the statistical interaction between PWAD and OSA suggests that a PWAD is probably a specific marker of cardiovascular risk in OSA. It may also reflect the duration of the disease because we believe that the longer you have OSA, the more impaired will be your vascular or autonomic reactivity. So what are the potential explanations for the association you found between a, a low pulse wave amplitude drop index and increased cardiovascular events? So we have three hypotheses. We believe that a low PWAD index in OSA could reflect unresponsive autonomic nervous system due to blunted baroreceptor. So when we sleep with OSA, we have a sudden increase in blood pressure at the end of each respiratory event, which will stimulate or activate the baroreceptors, who will in turn decrease the sympathetic activity in order to decrease the blood pressure. And when we stimulate hundreds of time every night, these baroreceptor, they may become unresponsive. And this has been associated with increased cardiovascular risk. The second hypothesis is that a low P1 index may reflect impaired endothelial function. So it has been shown that intermittent hypoxia that is typically associated with OSA can alter endothelial function. And when endothelial function does not, when endothelial function is impaired, then patients may have difficulty to rapidly redilate their vessels after vasoconstriction, which will lower the PWAD index and also increase the cardiovascular risk. And the, the, the third hypothesis is that a low PWAD index may be due to a permanent increase in sympathetic tone with a constant vasoconstriction, which will prevent further vasoconstriction 
at the end of each respiratory event. So we have kind of sitting effect and this permanently increase in sympathetic tone may also be associated with an increased cardiovascular risk. So does a low PWAD index potentially allow selection of patients with obstructive sleep apnea who are likely to benefit from CPAP therapy? So yes, we, we analyzed a subgroup of the Pays de la Loire sleep cohort uh, who, who were treated with CPAP. Um, and we saw that the usage of CPAP for more than four hours per night compared with those who do not use CPAP or less than, than or use it less than four hours per night were associated with a decrease in incidence of cardiovascular events, but only in the group with higher PWAD index and not in the group with a lower PWAD index. So this was kind of a surprise for us. And this could suggest that a lower PWAD index reflects an advanced and maybe irreversible vascular or autonomic damages that are associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular event, but that may not be reversible with the treatment. So it may be too late to treat them when they have a low PWAD index. However, patients with a preserved autonomic and vascular reactivity with a higher PWAD index may still be protected by CPAP treatment from further vascular or autonomic damages that may lead to stroke or coronary artery disease. So there is a kind of paradoxical result here. So it's those with a lower PWAD index that are at increased risk of cardiovascular disease within the next few years, but we should probably act earlier in those who are still have a preserved PWAD index. Um, and these can be still preserved from further damages by using their CPAP machine. Now, a higher risk of cardiovascular death has been reported in patients with excessive daytime sleepiness. Often these patients are excluded from studies, mainly for ethical reasons. And this was the case in at least one of your cohorts. Did this potentially underestimate the cardiovascular risk in your patients? So it's certainly true that sleepiness is probably a sign of disease severity. However, in, in the two main cohorts of our analysis, Hypnolos and Pays de la Loire sleep cohort, patients with OSA and sleepiness were not excluded. It's true that in the, in the Isaac cohort, it would have been unethical not to treat OSA patients who are sleepy for more than three years. So only in, in a subset of our analysis that there was this exclusion of sleepy patients. So we don't think it affected our result overall. Okay. Do you want to summarize the strengths and limitations of your study? I think the main strength of this analysis is the prospective design of these three cohorts, allowing to assess incident or, or recurrent uh, cardiovascular event, and also the adjudication of these cardiovascular or cerebrovascular events by a panel of experts. Also, the replication of these results in three different cohorts, despite differences in the type of population, uh, for example, general population, clinical population, or cardiovascular population, and also the, the small differences in the definition of cardiovascular event is also re reassuring and suggests a good re reliability and reproducibility of this marker. Among the potential weaknesses is that we don't know if PWAD index can be used in patients with pre-existing cardiovascular disorders, such as atrial fibrillation, because this condition may affect PWAD analysis. We are also not sure about the pathophysiological mechanism that make the link between PWAD index and cardiovascular events. So we are currently trying to improve the performance of this marker to 
by integrating other aspects and features of the P-body index using artificial intelligence to analyze the, the signal. Well, the majority of our listeners are clinicians. Is measurement of PWED index easy to adopt in a non-research clinical setting? And if so, is it ready for prime time? And should we all be measuring this with when we perform sleep oximetry? So I think it's a bit too early to use it in clinical setting because I don't believe that one marker could provide a definite classification of the patient at risk for cardiovascular disease or not. We will probably need a combination of different markers in order to, to give recommendation for clinicians. But the algorithm that we used for PWAD index detection was published in Sleep Medicine in 2020. And once we know how to use it, I'm sure that the manufacturers of sleep recorders will definitely include it in their software to help clinicians use it in their everyday practice. So that leads to my next question. Um, there have been a variety of studies recently, some in the Blue Journal, some we've done a podcast on, which have studied different indices of sleep hypoxemia or pulse rate variability as predictors of patients with obstructive sleep apnea at high cardiovascular risk. Do you have any comments about which index is going to be the most important, or is it going to be a combination of apnea hypotony index, some index of sleep hypoxemia, some index of pulse rate variability, and possibly symptoms such as daytime sleepiness? Yeah. So I believe that all the markers that you mentioned are probably important. And again, one marker won't be able to, to give the, the final answer. So I'm, I'm sure that we'll need a combination uh, of these markers. So first, symptoms are very important. And, and I think all clinicians will treat symptomatic patients. Among asymptomatic patients, then we need the AHI, which can be a general marker of disease severity. But we'll need to add more specific markers of cardiovascular risk above the, the, the AHI. And this could be the hypoxic burden or the time spent with a saturation below 90%, which both seem to be interesting markers that have proven to be associated with cardiovascular risk in the sleep heart health study and also in the Pays de la Loire sleep cohort. Um, the apnea-specific post-rate response that was published also in the Blue Journal, I think in 2021 by Azarbadzin and his colleague from Boston, which represents the difference between the maximum pulse rate after airway reopening at the end of the respiratory event and the minimum pulse rate during the respiratory event reflects probably the autonomic reactivity. And this is probably very interesting. And I believe that PWAD index reflects both vascular reactivity and also autonomic reactivity and maybe a combination of two of these markers. And finally, some author also suggested that respiratory events duration that was published, I think, in 2019 in the Blue Journal may also be useful. But surprisingly, it was shorter respiratory events that were associated with increased cardiovascular risk, which is not intuitively very um, easy to understand, but apparently they have significant results. Well, thank you for all of this. Do you have any final comments you'd like to make about your study? Yeah, so overall, I believe that it's clear that we cannot and probably should not treat all patients with moderate to severe sleep apnea who are asymptomatic. And our field should really develop a precision medicine approach to the treatment of OSA using HI as a general marker of the disease severity, and then add a combination of specific markers 
of cardiovascular risk related, as we mentioned before, uh, to hypoxia, to autonomic or vascular impairment, in order to better select the patient who may respond to, to CPAP treatments. So I'd like to thank Dr. Hauser for this very interesting discussion. To the listener, to read the articles uh, article discussed in this podcast, please visit the podcast homepage at www.atsjournals.org. To listen to more episodes of Out of the Blue, visit our page on iTunes or Google Play. You can also subscribe to stay updated whenever new episodes are available. So thank you again for listening. <music>